0: Before we open and get into our new subject tonight called Life-Dominating Sins, Uh, we touched on a couple of key sins uh, that many people don't think about as being sins, fear and and worry, um, obviously being the last one we just took. But there's a question that comes up in many people's minds, is life-dominating sins, sins that uh, just seem to not be able to shake or just dominate your life or has dominated your life in the past or you're working with someone right now in your life that is dealing with a dominating sin in their lives and they're just not sure how to overcome it or if there's even any hope that possibly can do that. And so uh, tonight and next Wednesday, we will take the topic on the life-dominating sin and give you enough information in Scripture for you to apply or to help others to apply. But before we do that, we want to pray for our community tonight. As many of you have heard, and many of you you may have stayed home tonight because of the concern of the um, uh, open shooting that took place here in our community, and uh, people died, and uh, and it appears that uh, the suspect that they were looking to find uh, was able to find them uh, find him in, uh, in, uh, under custody. So uh, that is good news, uh, but uh, it's very sad news for many in this community and the effects that I have. So if you would join with me in prayer for our community and those uh, lives that are impacted across this community. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy upon our lives, Lord. And uh, we're reminded even in today this the world we live in and And how fragile lives are, and how fragile a life can be, uh, one that is not completely surrendered to you, and how the enemy can work in a person's mind, our flesh, can take completely over control, um, and uh, and cause such devastation in the lives of people and in a community. We pray for all of the uh, law enforcement that was involved Uh, is still continue to be involved and we pray for them to give him wisdom and strength to deal with the complexities of uh, something like this we think about the place where the shooting took place and and how horrible horrifying it is and the days that will come in months to come and even years to come lord that we apart from your grace and your mercy and we pray that you will send out your children, your daughters and your sons that who are ready and to minister to those in our community. I pray you will raise us up to minister to them that come across our paths in these days to come. And that we would minister to them the, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ and that their fear can be overcome in a relationship with you. The emptiness, the sadness, the the many emotions that will follow can be overcome by your love because your love overcomes fear and it overcomes that emptiness and, the, and the, the, a lot of what-ifs and all the things that people start questioning in their minds in a situation like this. I pray you would just lead your people to minister to those who do not know your word and to those who do not know you personally. And I pray many will come to salvation, many will surrender their lives this evening and the days and weeks to come into Your hands, and know they do not have to fear death, and they no longer have to fear the uncertainty of life. You give us life; you are life, and we receive you in our lives. Uh, we receive that this evening, Lord, by Your power of Your Holy Spirit, just fill us afresh and comfort us only the way You can be the Great Comforter. We thank you, and praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we take a look at the biblical principles, and tonight we take a look at the life-dominating sins that can plague in our lives. All of us had life-dominating sins. Every single one of us. Prior to Christ, they controlled you. They were little gods and they controlled you in how you thought, how you were your actions, your deeds, your every move you're making was driven based on a life dominating sin and or sins, I should say, because typically it's never just one, it's always many that dominate us. And then we give our lives to Christ. We finally come to the end of ourselves and say, enough is enough, I've, that's it, I'm surrendering my life. I need forgiveness of all these sins. I know I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. And then you think everything is going to be perfect. <laughs> everything just goes away. And that the life of dealing with your flesh is, just, is still just, just disappears. Well, Just like a little I dream a genie, please take it away. And then you hit the reality is that no, you must deal with those things in your life. But now you have the Spirit of God living inside you to empower you to overcome the flesh. You now have the power of God living inside you to overcome the way the things of this world. That the things of the world that was planted in your minds, because you just kept feeding your flesh and feeding your mind, the things of this world and the things of the flesh that just needed and wanted and wanted and wanted, that caused you to live in these life-dominating sins. And now your eyes are open to this. And you're like, this is crazy how I lived that old life. And I still struggle with those things of the past. I still struggle, even though I don't want them any longer. I no longer even want anything to do with it. They just seem to just drag me back into my life somehow, or at least tempt me. And for some, even those who professed Christians, those life-dominating sins seem to have more of a prevalent today than, than they really want it to be. So tonight and tomorrow and next Wednesday, I hope these these scriptures and these conversations will help you. Because whenever you practice a particular sin, you place yourself under that bondage and under the control of that sin. When you choose to practice a particular sin, you are placing yourself under the control of that life dominating sin. And while enslaved by that sin, because sin, because that's what it is, you've now become a slave to that sin. You cannot legitimately claim to be wholeheartedly following Jesus Christ. You just can't be practicing a life-dominating sin anymore. I didn't say you, you, you fell to it once. Maybe twice, or you've been trying to fight it and fight it and fight it. I'm talking, you're practicing it. Like, you know, you wake up that morning and, like, I'm going to do it again. You're practicing it. That's what I'm talking about tonight. And if you persistently continue to practice this sin and do not take biblical steps that we have gone through over the last 90, uh, 90 steps that we've covered so far, <laughs> If you haven't gone back and look at that, how to biblically take steps to get out of that, then you've missed out on this training, missed out on this teachings, and you've got to go back to the very beginning and go through them to learn those biblical steps you need to take to walk yourself right back out of that sin. Because you can. The Holy Spirit is going to help you and show you to overcome that sin or sins that are seen to be back into your life some form or some fashion, and you have reason to doubt your genuineness of your salvation. That's what brings a Christian to become unstable, is because they've allowed, or they've entertained, or starting to think about practicing the sins again, and that will shake your genuineness of belief and understanding in that helmet of salvation that you need to put on every day. You don't put it on because you don't believe you're starting to believe maybe I'm not saved. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. It's exactly what he wants you to do. Don't put that helmet on. Don't do it. You don't need it. You know it's not you. And it's all these little voices that can happen. But in spite of the life dominating sin, God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love and power have been provided to you and me. And as a sincere believer in Jesus Christ, he's given this power of his to overcome that sin. And as you overcome sin, and as you overcome sin's power by God's enablement, the character of Christ will be developed in your life if you'll just keep showing up regardless of how you feel. Eventually, God's enablement will give you the power to overcome the power of this life-dominating sin, and it will no longer grip you like it used to have. Now, I'll give you a few verses here in the very beginning. Romans 6, verse 20 through 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and to the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That you must understand and and believe. I'll give you Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11 to ponder on this tonight. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. You can overcome those if you will put on the armor of God that God has provided for you. But it's your choice, my choice, if we choose to put them on. In Psalm 119, Verse 12, it says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. How do you overcome that dominating life dominating sin as a young man, as a young woman as, a, as your life is because you have, can be cleansed if you will follow the Lord and, and, and seek him and take heed according to his word. not according to the world, not according to man's philosophy and the world and in the flesh and, or even your peers, the blind leading the blind at work and and wherever you're working and playing. I'm talking by his word will cleanse you. The scripture, if you weren't here on Sunday, go back and look at Sunday's message on the scripture and how powerful the word is in your your life and my life when it comes to cleansing us. In Romans 8, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life is Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That verse alone will tell you if anyone is that you know right now that you're trying to help because they're in a life-dominating sin, anything other than Jesus Christ, you are misleading them in regards to the solution to getting out of that life-dominating sin. If you're not telling them about Jesus Christ, instead you're telling them about some program or even coming to church, just come to church. Now don't get me wrong, I think it's good for them to come to church because they'll hear the word of God. Don't, don't, you're not going to get changed because they get around you or because they come to a church building or because they watch some program or attended some life group. That doesn't save or change someone from a life-dominating sin. It's the word of God that transforms the mind of a person. So send them to a place where they're teaching the word, not the worship music, not the programs, not the food, not the little it goes on and on out there. But where the word of God is being taught. That is where you want to send someone. We also see in 1 John chapter 1 verse 6 through 10. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin and we de- we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all From all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. (laughs) Very clear scripture in 1 John. I can read a lot of scripture in 1 John. I'll give you in the next one. It's very pertinent for tonight. 1 John 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Just as Jesus walked. Then jump down to verse 9 through 11. He says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Verse 11, But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Very clear message. A great warning for those who have any hatred toward a brother or a sister. First John chapter 3 verse 4 and 5. It's almost like we're skipping to chapter 1 to chapter 2. Now chapter 3 of 1 John verses 4 and 5. Whoever commits his sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him, Jesus Christ, there is no sin. So where do you want to be cleansed? Where do you want to be forgiven? Where do you want to get rid of this sin? Put your life into Jesus Christ. Now I'm to the Spirit of Christ to come inside you and change you forever. Then we skip down to chapter 4 of 1 John. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Then we'll do one more skip. Down to 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? How do you overcome the world? How do you overcome the flesh? How do you overcome uh, life-dominating sin? By believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. It's by faith. So what's God's view? Step 91 What's God's view? God holds you responsible for all of your thoughts, actions, and words. Don't forget that. He holds you and I responsible for all of our w- thoughts, words, and deeds, our actions, including those that are life-dominating or those that are thought to be genetically Predisposed is the word people use today. I was I, that sin in my life is because it's genetically dis, dis, dis um. I had the word dis, uh, predisposed, meaning it was in me. I had no control. Or the latest uh, little trick is it's addictive. It's an addiction. It's a disease. It was not my fault. I have no control over these things. You become a slave to whatever controls you. So when you understand the step in the understanding the principle here of what God's view is, that God holds you responsible for all of your thoughts, words, and actions, you cannot say, but yes, but that doesn't apply to those genetically predisposed or addictive disease-oriented type things that are going and controlling my life. No, you're going to be held and I'm going to be held responsible for all life-dominating sin or these things that we do against God. That's God's view. You're not going to get around that regardless of what the world and your, your, your psychiatrist tells you. The second thing is, is step 92. Step 92. You're, you have and I have a hope. Our hope is in who? Jesus Christ. No matter how serious or how long standing this sin that, or sins that seem to be dominating your life, it can be overcome completely in, an, in a very short period of time based on the fact how you allow God's plan to be worked in your life. It doesn't matter. It does not matter how long you've been in this life-dominating sin. How much control it has had over your life, and you've tried and tried and tried, like the little train that went up the hill and just can't make it. You try to overcome the sin. If you do it God's way, you will. You don't do it God's way, you won't. It's that simple. Not easy, but it's that simple. That's why God gives us a plan if you will follow that for the rest of your life. We see that in Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Uh, we took 1 John chapter 5. We saw even in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We've got a lot of scriptures we've already covered in the other 90 plus, 90 now, 92 steps in this discipleship journey. You have to remember, I have to remember, that our Heavenly Father, the Sovereign God of the universe, has your best interests in your life. Has the best interest at heart. He absolutely loves you and wants the best for your life, regardless of how you feel. Jeremiah 29.11, Romans 8.28 We know that He, our Heavenly Father, wants to accomplish His plan for your life. You must let Him. Surrender your life, allow Him to work through your life by faith, and watch how He's going to take you step by step each and every day to fulfill the promises He will give you and fulfill the plan that He has for you. We learn on Sunday, he he promises to equip you fully for every good work. We saw that there at the end of 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. He's going to equip you to do what he's called you to do. And to be with you in every circumstance of your life. And you can go back and ponder on Psalm 23, verse 1 through 6. Or Psalm 23. 121 verses 1 through 8. Ponder on the scriptures that talk about how God is worth you in every step, every part of your day, throughout the day. He's never not with you. He's going to walk you through every circumstance of life the good and the, the really dark moments and places in your life. Don't forget that the Father is in control regardless of how you feel. Now, many times I'm asked the question, how do I know if I have a life-dominating sins? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It's only after you've experienced a spiritual birth and continually obey the Scripture. Will you be able to recognize and overcome a life-dominating sin or sins in your life? In a way that would please God. There's some people who will overcome a, a challenge, a sin in their life. But they do it in such a worldly way that it actually leads them to other sins or to to do something that doesn't please God at all in the way they did it. And so many times, we, we have at times where if you don't know the scripture, you'll go, oh, I've overcome that years ago. I don't drink anymore. I used to be a drunkard. I don't have a drink anymore. The program saved me. My leader saved me. <laughs> and we go, oh, so praise God. I'm so. What are you praising God on that? He just told you and told me that that guy just gave his life over to some other drunkard who's trying to fight their way through not to drink again and to, to some program versus giving God the glory. How does that please God? Yes, he's not drinking anymore, but the fact that you listen to him, he probably substituted if not already, had other domain. He says he wasn't changed from the inside out. How important it is that we see a changed life from inside out. And it's not just battling one sin. He takes care of all the sins in your life. And it brings glory and, and praise to God. And he gets all the glory. So what are the characteristics of a life-dominating sin? First, you practice these sin even though you have tried repeatedly to stop. That's an indication you have a life dominating sin. Second, you practice the sin and blame others or circumstances for your failure to stop. You're shifting blame, always finding an excuse. That's another check mark to indicate you've got a life dominating sin happening in your life. The third one is you deny that what you are doing is sin. I don't think that's sin, I'm not hurting anybody. I don't have sin. No one else knows. No one would have known if, you didn't, if somehow I didn't slip up and you found out. Another one you can tell that you have a lifetime of sin is you convince yourself that you are not enslaved to the sin and you can stop at any time. <laughs> a very common one. That, doesn't, that, that alcohol doesn't control me. That drug doesn't control me. I can stop at any time. You're enslaved. It's a life-dominating sin. You're convinced yourself that this sin has no power over you since you do not commit this sin as much as you you once used to do. (laughs) I don't do it every day. I only do it maybe once a day, you know, or not ten times a day, or or once a week, not twice a week. You're just rationalizing. It's still dominating your life. You repeat the sin even though no pleasure and no satisfaction in your life. It's so short lived, you don't, it's not anything like it used to be. And you're almost like, I'm good now because I'm not like I used to be. No, that's you still got a life dominating sin. Because the harm to yourself and others is still considerable, even long-term. In other words, you seek to hide your sin. <laughs> when, you, when you're living in darkness and you know you're in darkness, even though you deny you're in darkness, you still hide it because you know it's darkness. You don't want anyone to know. That's a trait, that you have a life-dominating sin. How do you know that you have a life that you're hiding your sin? Well, some of the characteristics that I have seen in people's lives is they have a tendency to separate themselves from friends and acquaintances. You live a double life, making sure your, your work life is so separate and distinct from your home life. Or you're lying on a regular basis to cover up your sin. Or you're trying to make others think that you are living God's way when in actuality that you're not doing anything that you're saying you're doing. Or acting indignant or surprised when someone finds some kind of inconsistency in your life and you're just leading them to, to, you know, oh, that's just, you know, don't even mind this. You know, that's not a problem. It's not an issue. Or being contentious. Seeking to actually divide and conquer brothers and encourage others to take up your, your cause against these other people of this, in the body of Christ. You start b- kind of dividing and looking for like-minded people so that they will gather around you to cause the division. You're always looking for someone to be in your camp to help support you to justify your actions. Or you slander the very people who are seeking to restore you to the Lord and others. How many times that's happening? It's not easy to be in the ministry. You try to help someone get out of a life-dominating sin? Going on in their marriage or in their life and... You sit down and you show what the scriptures is and the first person to turn around and even though you've saved their marriage at the moment or saved their life at the moment through the word of God and help change they'll turn around and they will come against us. Who sat down and showed them to help them to get, restore their life and they turn around and they'll come after you and just slander you. It's amazing. But the scripture is so clear when you see these things played out. You just hate to see them play out. But the scripture says these things, kinds of things will play out. And they play out a lot in the ministry. Or you continue in the sin although you know that it's not edifying. It's not encouraging to do so. You see all the obstacles. You see what the the testimony of of Jesus Christ through the Word of God is telling you not to do these things, to avoid these things, and you continue to just ignore those things. And you continue to do the sin regardless, knowing very well that it's not pleasing the Lord or bringing glory to Him. What's man's view? Man's view in life-dominating sins. Well, I hear a lot on the philosophy of this world. It often teaches many, even in the Christian circles, that these are undesirable behaviors. They're, They're not sin, it's just a disease. It's predispositioned. It's it's, let me show you how to cope with them because you can't do anything about them in your life. This is who you are. So they teach you, the philosophies of this world will teach you how to cope with these things in your life versus overcoming and being victory over these things. And that might involve drug therapy. Let us put you on a drug therapy that will help you overcome this. Or psychoanalysis will help you to overcome this. Or encourage you, it's okay to accept this this alternative lifestyle. It's okay. Embrace it. Accept it. Be proud, prideful of it. This will help you stabilize in your challenges mentally dealing with your life. And that's all man's natural wisdom. Wisdom. And that's what people lean toward. The world is redefining sin. What is wrong is right, and what was right is now wrong. And the scripture talks about it, warns us of it, and we're seeing it play out absolutely in full color these days. And all that is doing is causing all those people who are using man's natural ways it's just causing headaches, misery, delusion, confusion. It goes on and on and on. It's a spiral that we talked about. It's just a spiral getting deeper and deeper and deeper because their life-dominating sin has not been dealt with properly in God's way. Now, the world recognizes that some life-dominating problems are detrimental to one's life. They know criminal acts are a bad thing. They know procrastination is a bad thing. Matter of fact, most people don't think procrastination is even a sin. Or laziness. Or phobias. Lots of times these things understand it's not good for people to have. But people are encouraged to deal with them in a worldly man's wisdom way. And plans to overcome these problems are always based on what the rationalization of what the world has come up with, with some worldly way to deal with it. Again, drug therapy and psychoanalysis and and self-help and self-encouragement and self, 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 focus on self. And we know what the scripture talks about. The more you think about yourself, the more miserable you'll become. Now, how does a man... Explain these life-dominating sins. How do they explain and justify these things? Well, certain individuals have a genetic, again, predisposition to to certain preferences, and cannot help themselves. They're not responsible for the consequences of, of their deeds. Some problems are dealt with because these are diseases. And must be treated as such. Some are justified, that's my personality type. They're acting because that's just their personality that they've always had. It's their makeup. It's just they're always going to be. They're just very extreme. They're very emotional. They're very... They're always going to be t- move into depression and worry and fear and things because of their personality type. Some are justified through their self esteem issue. They have a low self esteem. Johnny has a low self esteem, and that is why he's dealing or she's dealing with issues of depression, adultery, bulimia. Gang violence, robbery, murder, fornication, prostitution, sexual perversion, on and on and on. It's because they haven't been able to express themselves in a way that was healthy and they have these things that are extreme self-esteem issues. We must build up their self-esteem and these things will go away. It's a trick of the enemy. An individual may be enslaved to a problem because of the way he was treated as a child. Their parents did things against him, other adults possibly did something against these children. And that is why they are doing what they're doing as an adult, they say. Outbursts of anger and lying and stealing and child abuse and vandalism and on and on. These are all justifications because they were not raised properly as a child. Some justify their life-dominating sin because they... Say it's because they are, they're reacting or seeking to get attention. They do these extreme wrongs because that's what was done to them in the past or currently. And they're just reverting back to childlike behavior because their psych. Their ego, or all this Freudian kind of uh, philosophy, is pumped into people's minds. That rationalization of it, instead of dealing with the fact that this is a sin nature that is being that was. That it was in that child that is now grown and birthed to now as an adult to more a visual of actually playing out this sin that was always in there and was never dealt with and never surrendered, never been repented of and given. It's just doing the full fruition of it. And now they're just saying, well, it's because of their childhood. Well, because of their parents. Well, why? Well, because of their their siblings beat them up while they were kids. I mean it goes on and on and on of why is rationalization and justification of a sinful nature that needs to be dealt with. And man will turn around and attempt to deal with these problems that enslave individuals by saying you're ill. It's a disease that needs to be dealt with. And many times, many programs have a spiritual entity to it. It maybe has a spirituality veneer to it, but it doesn't take them to the word of God and the surrendering to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They'll bring them to a higher power, but not to God Almighty, but just a higher power. So you can, the, 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 that mic has some power. So that mic is going to save me because I'm going to hold on to the power of the mic. And the mic I'll carry everywhere to be and it'll be, give me better self-esteem. I'm rambling a little bit. But if it's not that, it's something like God's creation, like a tree and you hold on to a tree and you hug the tree. And you worship the creation, not the creator. And these things go on and on in our world today in dealing with the life-dominating sins. Some, of course, are physiological dysfunctions, organic or glandular. There's a gland issue. There is an organic issue that must be diagnosed by a medical professional and must be treated as such. But if it's not a gland issue that's gone rogue on you, it's not an organic issue, something physically is gone, something wrong inside you, and that is diagnosed. If it's not those, it's a sin issue that it needs to be dealt with. And you must trust God is going to graciously, lovingly, gently reveal that to you as you give your life to Christ and you're in the Word, the Word of God will convict you of the things that need to change in your life. And as we learned on Sunday, not only will He reveal it to you, but then He actually shows you how to correct and how to have victory over that sin. That's why this week we'll talk about life-dominating sin, and next week on solutions, and then we'll cap and close out the discipleship journey on the victory in Jesus, and we will finish the discipleship process and journey on those notes. You must take note, as we learn in other teachings, take note of where you're seeking help for that life dominating sin. Are you going to Jesus? Are you reading the Word of God? Are you getting around godly people who know the word of God? Are you praying and seeking him with all your heart, mind, soul and letting it lay it out there and allow him to transform the mind and the change, the desires of the heart and give you the understand the purpose and plan for your life for you to focus on him? Or are you getting into support groups or finding worldly ways that are causing you not to focus on God and doing it God's way, but you're doing it the world's way? And as a parent, if you're helping a child, make sure you're doing them to the God's way and not the world's way. If you're an adult helping another adult, bring them to Jesus. Don't bring them to a program or a system. Teach the individual, like yourself, to fall in love with Christ and fall in love with his word to help the word guide your life and to transform you. And you must take note. If there's anything in your life that is causing you to move away or not to seek after God, separate yourself There's a lot of things that you can be pumping into your head that's going to cause you to not seek after God but cause you to actually become a barrier or a hindrance to coming to God because you keep pumping things into your head that is just not of God. It's not healthy. It's not profitable for you as a a child of God. And I'll leave it with this here. If you do not make that decision to change and to do it God's way, here are some of the results that will be in your life that will remain enslaved in this life-dominating sin. First one is God does not assure you that He will hear or answer your prayers. I always tell people, you're a Christian and you're you're still not willing to give up something, you're practicing something. You do realize the scripture says you're hindering. Your prayer life that you when you want God to really hear you and to speak and you're gonna be hindered because of that, that sin, you know that, right? Go back in Psalm sixty-six, eighteen, 18. Proverbs 15, 29. Proverbs 28-9. It goes on and on, I can give you many. The second one is you will hear spiritual, you'll bear, you will bear spiritual as well as physical consequences. You will feel the, the weight of, of a dryness in your life and you're physically going to be impacted. You're going to, the altars are going to be there. The headaches are going to be there. The, the pains, the sufferings physically. There's consequences when you're out of the will of God. The third is you will lose the joy of your salvation. You may doubt that you have a regenerative re- relationship with the Lord. You will question your salvation. The fourth is you will become increasingly more miserable and life will become more difficult. Why? Because you're opening up opportunities for Satan to come into your life and to mess with you. Fifth, you place yourself under the corrective discipline of the Lord as a child of God. He will discipline as his children to restore them. And that will restore you, not only to you and others. We see that in Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Proverbs 15, verse 10. The next one is your, your thoroughly, your kind of your thought process, your, your deeds, your actions, your thoughts, your, your mind will hinder a true fellowship with those in the body of Christ it will cause you to separate from the fellowship you will have challenges and you will start having a critical spirit toward those in the body of Christ if you find yourself becoming more critical about the people in the in the fellowship and critical against uh, any aspect of it, doing what God's called them to do and moving in a godly fashion, you are going to start hindering your fel- that fellowship and you will try to avoid it or you'll cause division within it. And then lastly, you remain in spiritual delusion because you are merely a hearer of the word and not a doer. And when you're only a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, that will cause you not to be able to discern clearly the word of God in directing your life. And when you're not hearing God directing your life, again, you're causing yourself to spiraling out of control deeper and deeper and deeper in that life-dominating sin. I pray this evening that is not speaking of you personally but that it is speaking to you to help someone else whose god is brought in your life to help them overcome the life dominating sin